Welcome back. You're listening to the 123 show this afternoon with me, Karen Ko. It is 1.34 and time to turn to our first guest of today. We know last Friday, Hong Kong's court of first instance turned down the city's first judicial challenge for same-sex marriage and civil union partnerships in a case brought by a lesbian woman known as MK. And MK claimed that the lack of marriage options violated her constitutional rights. And joining me in the studio to talk more about the case and also the fight for marriage equality is Gigi Chow, co-founder of Hong Kong Marriage Equality. So Gigi, welcome to the program. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, it's great to have you here to explain all this to us. I'll also tell listeners that we are on Facebook Live. So if you go to my Facebook page, Karen, on RTHK Radio 3. You can see and hear Gigi there. So Gigi, first tell us more about yourself and also um, HKME, Hong Kong Marriage Equality, and the work that you do. Um, yes, so Hong Kong Marriage Equality was set up um, earlier this year. Um, basically, a group of interested um, individuals, um, in, uh, spanning professionals and business people, got together and really realized the insufficiency of the laws in Hong Kong and how um, basically there's a in the legislature today we have a you know a very obvious disparity of power between the government and the legislature and so hopes of um any uh, same-sex marriage or anti-discrimination even for LGBTI community passing through the legislature are quite dismal so we thought really we have to do something as um sort of civil um, actors and people um, active within society to do something, um, take take the matters within our own hands, basically, and want to uh, lobby others, lobby the government, lobby uh, other businesses to take notice of uh, marriage equality as an issue. So we set up shop um, in May. Uh, May was a, was a good month because in uh, Taiwan was the, the first uh, region within Asia to win right. uh, freedom to marry for same-sex couples. And of course, I mean, even the laws in Taiwan now, they're still uh, being ironed, ironed out right. because um, the, the laws aren't complete uh, as yet. And I, I, we realize it's a work in progress always for, for all the countries. But in Hong Kong specifically, I think um, we also saw the Angus, Angus Loan case, which mm -hmm. was one. And that, I think, was a huge milestone for Hong Kong because it um, not only provided civil servants with um, right, spousal rights for same-sex couples, but also um, it, it changed the tax code, which right. is very, very significant, yeah. right? So for people that have been, for couples that were wed overseas, where they have allowed um, same-sex marriages, um, to come back to Hong Kong, um, they should be afforded the same rights. Mm. Um, but then that obviously begs the question, what if people like me, uh, a Hong Konger uh, by birth and um, by legal status, what if I don't have the means or I don't want to go overseas to get married, then there is this huge void and right. vacuum. Uh, why is it that as a Hong Konger, I need to go somewhere, somewhere else, else exactly. uh, some other common law jurisdiction, for example, to, to get married? So I think that has been the... Uh, that was the cause for a lot of these judicial reviews. Uh, unfortunately, for the court case that was heard last week um, in the High Court, uh, the uh, 
the litigant MK was defeated yes. and basically the judge just said, oh, well, historically, when the basic law was written, nobody thought about same-sex marriage, probably we didn't write it with that in mind and therefore historically it's that, so there's no case today. And he today. can't do anything about it, basically. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, he repeated that it's a job for the legislature, but again, you know, from the beginning we realised that the power disparity between the, the legislature, I mean, it's very unique to Hong Kong that the legislature is basically very reactive to what the government puts forward and if the government itself is basically Not, reactive yes, and, and it, it basically never, indifferent to minority rights yeah. then um, you it know we're stuck anywhere, in a bind right? yeah exactly so so the interesting thing about that case last Friday was that was the first um, judicial challenge in, in the sense that MK wasn't asking for one tiny specific thing like she wasn't saying I want you know tax protection or pension or whatever she said I want to be able to get married to whoever I want to get married to um, so for the for the law right now the way it stands how does it make same-sex couples lives difficult well basically you are um, the law as it stands marginalizes um, homosexuality as as a kind of section of relationships so marriage itself um, in in the judgment uh, the honorable uh, Justice Chow said uh, as a matter of introduction that marriage has been said to be the most um, sensitive and important of relationships. And I think I agree with that. Mm. Marriage has a irreplaceable role within society. It carries all the connotations of building a family, welcoming a new member into your own family and families joining together. So I think it's one of the most important, if not the most important, rites of passage and celebrations uh, one could ever hope to experience. Now, if you carry on with that pretext and you say, well, but unfortunately in Hong Kong, marriage is only recognized as this, and therefore a whole section of society is excluded from celebrating marriage. Um, to me, that just sounds like discrimination. Right. Um, but of course, uh, the government has been saying, no, that's not discrimination, it's history, it's, you know, uh, quote unquote tradition. But if you talk about tradition, um, traditional Chinese marriage was polygamous. Polygamous, yes. Right. Several wives, not several husbands, several wives. Yes, always, several right? wives. And that was that carried on up to 1971. And what prompted the change in um, 1971 in colonial Hong Kong was that um, it was the age of the women's rights kind of movement. So globally, in the US especially, and in Great Britain, you know, there were women kind of lobbying on gender equality and how women should be equal to, you know, their male counterparts. And the then Hong Kong government said, well, we are, you know, we want to build ourselves as a financial center. We can't be seen, you know, carrying out these kind of customary and somehow outdated laws of, of marriage. So they updated uh, the uh, marriage ordinance to what it is today, which is, um, you know, um, one man, one woman mm -hmm. to the exclusion of others. Now, I think there's a lot of parallels from 1971, uh, well, the 70s right. to now. I think it's really a huge, um, well, I, I, I hesitate to use the word revolution, but it's mm -hmm. definitely changing the times and a lot of change is happening globally. And the definition of marriage itself is also been changing yes. globally in the past you know, 10 or 20 years. Um, the role of women, of course, and the meaning of marriage as more than just 
um, a kind of hierarchy between husband and wife and that the husband house somehow has to provide for the wife. Mm -hmm. Now there's a more gender equal kind of um, definition. Mm. So with that, I think there's an irony because uh, usually I think if you talk to a lot of the, the militant feminist or, or something, they will say, well, marriage has traditionally been a means to Oppress, yes, right? Oppress women. women. But now I think there's an opportunity for marriage not only to be used as a tool of oppression, but a tool of liberation for, for, right. for everybody. Yeah. And it, what was also interesting in this case last Friday is the, the judge, while he did deny the, um, the, the, challenge. He did say he recognises the need for the government to undertake what he called a comprehensive review of existing laws because people keep um, taking these cases to court, sort of tinkering around the edges without addressing the big issue, the, the elephant in the room. Do you think the, the government's going to do that? What, what's stopping them really? Well, the government as I said in the beginning, is very reactive. They are very afraid of offending the conservatives and they won't really take um, a proactive stand on things such as, as this. So even though everybody in the legal community um, and I say everybody because a report has actually been done by the EOC, commissioned by the EOC, that highlights hundreds of areas of laws in Hong Kong where there is inconsistencies uh, between uh, so there's basically for heterosexual marriages, they, you're given a bundle of rights and obligations. And for people that are um, same-sex married abroad, they don't have the same recognition or there isn't the same protection. So there's inconsistencies and everybody knows these. And instead of uh, the government saying and responding to the court saying, oh, okay, all these need to be looked at, they've just kind of dug their heads in right. the sand and said, okay, well, judicial review, bring them on one by one, and then we'll just let the judiciary handle it. Um, and every single time, it's a huge cost on taxpayers because there's the cost of judges, there's a cost of appeals, you know, security guards in the in the courtrooms, and normal everyday citizens have to bear legal costs up to you know millions of Hong Kong dollars just to um, vindicate or claim some of their very basic rights, right. Uh, a right to found a family. And for you mentioned the lawyers, there. is it would it legally be difficult to change the law? Well, I think um, in the normal course of events, it should go through the legislature and and there should be a, a, a proper study uh, done um, in terms of attitudes and basically an education program that uh, tells people, well, no, the sky's not going to fall down if same-sex marriage is allowed. The world is not going to collapse and yeah, so society's if, not going to fall apart. Right, and if you look at places like the Netherlands, which has recognised um, same-sex relationships for 30 years, it's not going to turn everybody into homosexuals, it's right. not going to kind of unleash a whole kind of swarm of paedophiles on society or anything like that. So there's all these fears that are um, kind of preventing people from, from talking and um, legislating on this. Um, what we need is really a, con a candid conversation on marriage equality and why it's important. Right. And, you know, often legislators will, will either say um, that for religious reasons they don't support it or Hong Kong as a community is not ready. Do you think Hong Kong as a community is ready or not? Is or do they have to be ready? Is it is that actually an issue? I don't think there's ever. It's it's a little bit like a gay person coming out, right? There's never a best time to come out, and it's the same for allies, for straight people that support um, 
your minority friends. There's never a best time. However, if you ask uh, anybody that's come out on a personal basis, they will all say, they will always say, "Oh, I wish I'd done it earlier." So I think in terms of Hong Kong, um, studies have shown repeatedly that within the younger generation, the the support is overwhelmingly over ninety ninety five percent. Of course, there's still a, a huge portion of Hong Kong society that are much older, and of course grew up uh, uh, at a time when homosexuality even was a criminal offence. Mm. So it will take time for people to come to an understanding, especially for the older generation. But unless you open up the window to talk about such issues, it will forever be taboo. And unfortunately, the world is changing. And you know, Hong Kong is a very, very connected place to the rest of the world. And when people are married and they come to Hong Kong, um, you know, with all other aspects of Hong Kong being very modern and cosmopolitan, there is this section that. That remains archaic. It's very outdated. Yeah. yeah, I know uh, recently from talking to some other guests that, for example, um, in sex education classes now they are starting to talk about gender identity and they're starting to talk about same-sex relationships, which was never ever on on the you know curriculum before. That sounds great. I wonder which school because in Hong Kong it's, local schools it's never talked about. Right. So sex education is just. Heterosexual sex, and then the period, the end.、Uh, it's not even talked about, so it's almost as if homosexuals don't exist.、Um, so, I mean, especially in、um, places like the immigration department, the education bureau, the social welfare and services、um, departments, it's highly,、um, it's highly conservative, and people are 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 highly、um, afraid and. Bound、uh, from talking about、um, such issues, which is、um, which is very unfortunate,、mm. and it really stigmatizes and marginalizes、um, a lot of this this big section of society. And then we have we seem to have this parallel universe where the corporate sector tends to lead the way, where often companies will provide,、um, say, insurance benefits or. Uh, you know other benefits to the partner of、um, the same-sex partner of an employee, but of course you know that's great that they can do that, but not everybody can work for those companies, right? Yes, so it's unfair. I mean, it's great. We really want to encourage the、um, the corporates to、um, see the light and、uh, match basically the spousal benefits for all couples,、um, but unfortunately, you no, know, the law is takes a, a reactive stand and it it it. it <laughs> Just refuses to take the the leadership on things like this. So this is what we want,、um, you know, your listeners to understand and 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 feel for、uh, people that are、um, in love, for example, or not, or looking for love, and wanting to find recognition because you know there have been studies in places like Taiwan where.、Um, Same-sex couples often suffer from low self-esteem and even depression because they realize that their relationships will never be recognized. And you know, in some ways, what does that say about me? What does that say about、uh, my future?、Um, maybe I myself don't matter because 
whoever I love doesn't matter. Mm. And it does have these kind of resonating kind of um, effects on people's lives and you don't notice it and it's it's not very visible because you think, well, you know, if you're gay, you're able to do everything else that a straight person does. But in terms of family life, which is a very important section, I mean, I think it's one of the core values, if you can uh, say so myself, of, of Chinese society, yeah. we're excluded. So mm. it's very hurtful. Yeah. So what can what can listeners do if they want to learn more if they are if they are interested in finding out more and um, or being an ally? Yes, um, I, I really think that any minority movement uh, requires the the work and the support of allies because, in some ways, every single one of us is a minority in one way or the other. And if we ignore each other, then you know where where is the camaraderie in all of society? So um, we need our allies to come out as allies and show your support and really create a safe space at home within the home for um, everybody to talk about marriage equality and talk about um, our, our futures as a society. Zhuji, thank you so much for coming in and telling your story and also explaining to us what the situation is like here in Hong Kong. Thanks thank so you very much. much. And we've been speaking with Zhuji Chow, who is the co-founder of Hong Kong Marriage Equality. You're listening to The 123 Show on RTHK Radio 3.